and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Rip Van Winkle's stump double, Mr. Shane Reeves. That's right. I was having a nap when you texted, and I remembered that we had show today. <laughs> I was... That is that is rare, that, that you... I mean, you nap fairly regularly on the weekends, but to go be so out of it that you forget what day it is, that's a rare one. Well, it's the Thanksgiving week thing. Yeah. It's being off Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday, we literally spent yesterday from um, 11 in the morning till 9.30 last night here. I figured. Watching Rivalry Rivalry Week. Yeah, Yeah. Rivalry Saturday college football. And here's the thing about Rivalry Saturday. Records mean nothing. Right. You can have a team that's 0-10 playing a team that's 10-0. and And it's like the world is to play for. And it's a bloodbath. Well, well, speaking of which, I mean, the Florida-Florida State game, I was particularly interested in just because of what happened to the Florida State quarterback last week. And, man, that they played them close, and those two teams are not evenly matched. Yeah, Florida State should have blew them out. Yeah. but And Florida was playing for a bowl bid. Right. And I'll, but, you know, it's funny. They're talking now about, not to turn this into the football cast, but yeah. they were talking about the um, coach for Ohio State may be fired. Oh, Even really? though he's had three 10-1, and 10-2 seasons and everything like that. To Michigan. But he can't beat Michigan. I, and they may fire him solely because he can't be. Well, Phil Fulmer, he was fired because we got beat by Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, the that, winningest that one was coach a bit in more Tennessee. justified, though. Well, the winningest coach in Tennessee football history should have got to walk out on his own. That, that's fair. But you lose to Vanderbilt. That's. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you know what Vanderbilt's biggest problem in SEC football is? Themselves? What? They, they don't get to play Vanderbilt. Right, <laughs> they would have they, at least one have, win a year if they got to play Vanderbilt like everybody right. else. <laughs> they have They're about won. the only team that could pull off losing to Vanderbilt too. They've won two SEC games in three years. Uh, that's <laughs> that's rough, and nobody will just throw. But each of those three years, they've cashed a check for forty six, forty eight, fifty million dollars as part of SEC revenue sharing. And next year, when Oklahoma and Texas show up, they'll cash a check for $90 million. Everybody needs a, a, a conference game for homecoming. No. <laughs> we need Vanderbilt's ass booted out of the SEC. I don't have a problem with it. They need sent to the Ivy Leagues and left to die. I don't have a problem with it, but we've, 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 we've disagreed strayed. on that. Yeah. Okay, so what are you smoking tonight? I am smoking the Yellow Rose of Texas. So a couple weeks ago on the show, we decided to dip into the Wayback Machine, and we smoked a couple of really, really aged cigars. I think we decided it was five or six years on those. Right. And we both kind of walked away from it going, man, I, I was expecting more. And I got to thinking how much of that is colored by what I remember that cigar to be and how much was actually what that cigar is new. So I'm going to give it a shot. I just pulled this out of the humidor, so it's fresh, no age, and see if see how it compares to that one from a couple of weeks ago. Or, okay. or if, we were, if we were looking at it through the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia, basically. 
So I'm smoking a cigar with a great story. I've always said a cigar needs a story more than it needs a wrapper, a binder, or a filler. And this is a cigar with a great, with a great story. Cigar is Esteban Carrera. It's called Taken from the Devil's Hand. So here's the story. Gonzalo, Gonzalo Puentes runs the Esteban Carrera's factory in Nicaragua. Him and his colleagues were in Cuba, and they were tasked with developing improved Corojo seeds. So they used positive selection to take the seed, best five seeds from 100 plants. Okay. So they smoked 100 plants and took the best five of those and selected those. And then they repeated that process a few times, and these same five seeds kept popping up. So this is the Westminster Kennel Club of tobacco seeds. Right. Then instead of giving the seeds to Castro, they snuck them out to Nicaragua. And so the seeds for this tobacco were taken from the devil's hand. That's interesting. How, you know, it does make me wonder. That's, you know, you think you think about sort of Cuba and Castro and all of that. But how how scary must that have been? You think about something as innocuous as just trying to move some tobacco seeds into Nicaragua. But that was that was really they were putting their life on the line to do something like that. If if all the accounts that we've heard about how his regime operated were true. I'm amazed that anybody buys into communism. I'm amazed that anybody at all thinks that that's going to result in something better. It it blows my mind because you know I was talking to a guy in here, um, actually this morning, and he was talking about a buddy of his that was a college professor. College professor was talking about how communism's bad, which is rare in this day and age, but it's talking not, about but go ahead. <laughs> talking about how communism's bad. And his class, of course, was arguing with him about it, and he said, Fine. At the end of the semester at the end of every quarter I'll average all your grades, and I'll just give everybody the average of the grades of the class. So first quarter was a B. And all because some people made A's, right. some people made C's, and it ended up being a B. I've, I've heard this story a million times. And, and then, then the people who should have gotten an A but got reduced to a B stopped putting in the effort. By the end of the year, everyone's got a D. Which it only makes sense. That's all, it could go no other way. I, you know, so, But we've talked about before, sometimes the... You know, the job well done is the reward. No. And you and I... No, no, no. Come on. You know there are times when you do something just to prove to yourself you can or because you have... Maybe you're not getting paid to go above and beyond, but because your your reputation is worth it, you're still going to give... It's You're going to give 100% of your effort into any endeavor that's worth putting your time to. That's the kind of person you are. You don't half-ass anything. Right? So... So I should be forced to sub- no, subjugate I, myself to people that would? No. No, 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 no. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to try and advocate for communism. Come on, no. But my point is there, there are always going to be those that still strive because the, the knowledge of having done the best you can is more important that the, than the end result. So those should be fleeced. What? So those should be fleeced accordingly for having pride in their work. Again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm, but well, I'm, I'm just saying it's not. Yes, there will be a small portion of people that still perform, 
but they will be yoked so heavily that there will be no purpose. They'll, they'll cease to exist. Right. Nobody will breed those that that type of deal. I mean, I'm just I just I'm just not convinced that that story ever actually happened. Oh, absolutely. It could go no other way. How many times? No, no, no. I, I I I believe. I believe, yeah, it, you're you were gonna say tip sharing. Yeah, how many restaurants are destroyed by tip sharing? Yeah, no, 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 a- absolutely. I'm not, I'm not negating that the lesson is true. I just wonder. I've always heard my buddy was in a class or my buddy's friend was a professor. But it, like, it's one of those things that I don't know if it ever actually happened. The story's great, but I don't know if it ever actually happened. It sma- it passes a sniff test because that's exactly how it would happen. Mm-hmm. If everybody knew that they were going to get a B, everybody would quit studying. Nobody would continue to try to get an A. If you knew no matter how good you did, you were right, you were dragging along the worst element of class, you'd never study. Well, it's, it's funny because it's exactly why I think all companies should be employee-owned. Because... It doesn't, it, because it eliminates that, because now the, the people who are putting in the work see the dead weight and they cut them loose. Because it affects them in more ways. That, you know, in a, in a standard company, I make my salary regardless of whether or not you do your job. But if I'm an owner in the company, all of a sudden, if you're, if you're dead weight, I'm cutting you loose. So it's, How it, would you go about starting companies then? Because if I do the work and bust my ass to start a company, I damn sure ain't giving it to the employees as I hire them. No, I mean, there's, I mean, most companies that operate under that model, like REI is a co-op. Um, it, it's still, it, it, there's still a hierarchy. So, you know, your ownership is based on your position in the company. Your, your salary plays a, a part in it. And in most cases that I'm aware of, the owner or the founder of the company still owns 51%. So they still have, you know, sole voting rights and things like yeah, that. Yeah, if I but take the risks and I put in the work and I come up with a concept and I build the company, I ain't giving it to the employees. Well, so I worked for an employee stock ownership company, and the employees owned 49%. But the employees had to buy that 49% from the owner. So it, the way it worked out was based on the valuation of the company, we're going to roll profits in in such a way that basically the the employees purchased it from the owner. So it wasn't just given away so for wouldn't, free. So wouldn't that motivate the employees to do worse so that they could buy the company at a cheaper price? No, because the price was set was set at that point. Well, then it's not a not an actual market driven anything. It, there's no benefit to working harder. What? That doesn't make any sense. If the price of the company, if yeah. you as an employee, yeah are not making the company more valuable. You're costing the company money. Yeah, no, no, no. At the time of the sale, though. So none of this none of this was known ahead of time. So at the point that the owner of the company said, I'm selling you half of the company or 49% of the company, and you're, you're going to buy it you know, with stock options and things like that, like over the course of time, it's basically a loan. Um, then at the time the sale... The, the valuation of the company was was fixed at the point of the sale, at which point any employees trying to tank the value of the company only affects them. It only diminishes their share in the company. I'll ask you this question to wrap this conversation up. Which yields a superior product? What you're talking about or the situation 
where I go work for somebody else drawing house plans. I become better than him. I start my own house plan company and run him out of business. Which, which yields the better product? This is where we have one of our most fundamental differences. I, I don't think... I'd, so, I, A, I think, I think mine does. You're wrong. For, for, no, I'm not because wrong. Because I, because I can't run him out of business if I'm not doing better than him. Yes, what but, you're doing encourages mediocrity. But, w- but w- no, it doesn't. When you're talking about what's what's better in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. Do you mean for your customers, for the employees, or for the one person who owns a company? For the end product, the end product. So the end product being a set of house plans in this scenario. Yeah. If then I absolutely have to my way is is better, and I'll tell you why. No, it's the same reason the government is sucky at everything that they touch. There's no competition. If you get so good that you run your competition out of business, you no longer have to compete for business because you're the only guy in town and your product has no... But uh, there's somebody behind me chasing me. It's may, never that way. There's always somebody behind you okay, chasing but there's you. somebody behind this company doing the same thing. Yeah, and they're running a superior model that doesn't involve, you know employees owning the freaking company and they're going to run this guy out of business. I, I, Is the company you worked for still in business? Yes, and they're doing better this year than they were last year, than the year before, than the year before. They're a, they're a huge growth company. They're doing better than they ever have. Mm-hmm. I just think the, I think the model by which every employee I got is trying to take my job makes a better product at the end of the day competition. It breeds a better product. Yeah, but what you're talking about is the elimination of competition if you're going to put your competition out of business. No. There's always going to be somebody there to fill the void. If I'm the only game in town drawing plans, five other guys are going to pop up to start trying to draw plans, and I've got to be better than them. Yeah, and if you've got a team of 17 people working for you who own who get a share of the profits for how well they do, they're going to work that much harder. Which is going to eliminate the competition being able to come up, which is going to make an inferior product. No, not necessarily. Absolutely. No. You're, you're arguing both sides of the fence. I'm not. How is that? How is that so you're good? saying that if I create a system strong enough that nobody can compete with me, that it's going to produce a better product? No, but to your, po- <laughs> no, to your point, there's, there's always going to be someone trying to compete. You know, look at Shopify as a perfect example. You can Shopify is a um, basically it's a website plugin that allows you to start an e-commerce site with basically no overhead, no previous knowledge on how to. Do it. They're competing with Amazon. Amazon, the largest company in the country, and they're competing. Okay. This is a company that's so large you shouldn't be able to compete with them, and yet someone is. There will yeah. always be someone who tries to compete. And, and Amazon's not so large that you can't compete with them. They absolutely are. No. You say, you know, five years ago, people said the same thing about Walmart. Oh, Walmart's too big. Nobody, or say 10 years ago. Now, everybody knows Walmart sells crap. Right. At, but at the time, Walmart was going in and they were shutting small towns down. They were eliminating all of the small businesses. Right. Those days are over then. They, they are. But... And they've, but they've been replaced by somebody bigger. There's always a bigger fish. So that fish. proves that somebody could compete with them because they did. Which is my point, that, that there will always be somebody coming up behind trying to compete, even if it seems like the mainstay is too big to, to be able to satisfy competition. Be the best at what you do, and that, and that will handle 90, and, 90% of your problems. And reward the people that you employ for helping you get to that point. Yeah. 
their reward is the salary I give them at the end of the week. Yeah, you're such an asshole. <laughs> um, I had a, I had, oh, here we go. Speaking of people in charge, uh, Luciano Cigars appoints a new CEO, Mark Reddy, and they prom- promote Ed Trevino. And I think this is awesome. So we have had, um, we've had Luciano on the show. Excellent, excellent dude. And I've always been really impressed with their cigars. And now I'm watching this thinking they're getting ready to make a huge push. I've not been impressed with anything Luciano's made in the, since the first one of his we smoked. I, I think they're great. I, I think they're, um, I think part of the, part of the problem is that you, they're just not front of mind. I think, um, I don't see them very often. No, he does a big, big push at the show. Yeah. They have the big booth. They sponsor the events, everything like that. And everybody at the show is kind of like, yeah, they're all right. Well, I like them. And more importantly, I like him. I do like him. So, I, I, so what I'm saying is I'm excited to see... There, there's, this is obviously gearing up for something, right? So Mark Reddy has been a friend of, of Luciano's for ages, uh, going back to childhood. And he's got tons of uh, experience kind of helping companies go, take that step to the next level. So this this shows that not only is he bringing somebody in who can who can who has experience, but who can take Luciano cigars to the next level. And then they did. I'm not going to mention any names, but if you happen to own a uh, cigar company that um, rhymes with Schmanalif, um, they promoted their director of sales to VP of sales rather than going outside. <laughs> And, and finding somebody else. And that's what Ed Trevino... Um, so he came in about four years ago, I think it was, as and they're moving him up to vice president of sales to help just further expand that that section of their business. I think they're, I think they're gearing up for something here. So you've been in the cigar business longer than I have. Yeah. Every cigar company needs their Liga Pravada. Right. Before Drew Estate had the Liga Pravada, did you know anything about Drew Estate? Yeah, but again, I was kind of, I was a lot closer to the industry than... I need to find somebody that's an old cigar smoker and ask, because my theory is that the Liga Pravada put Drew Estate on the map. That that's where they finally created that lightning in a bottle cigar... That for whatever reason, whether it's worth it or not, the perception of it was that it was worth it. And that's what Luciano is missing. Yeah, well, there are a lot of cigar companies that are missing that. Um, and, and have, I mean, look at Perdomo is a perfect example. They, they stopped making the Edician de Silvio, what, eight years ago? And even then, it wasn't that big for them, but that was kind of their Liga. There was a time shortly after the Liga came out that, yes, every company re- started making that top-of-the-line, super-exclusive. Um, and it, it doesn't work out for everybody. I, I agree with you. They would do well to have that one cigar that just... Yeah, they really- need an Andalusian Bull. They need a Liga Pravada. They need a... They need a cigar that people are willing to ask for Luciano. You know, we haven't had Luciano cigars in here in three or four years. 
haven't had a sole last farm. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that's more a byproduct of them still being a very small boutique and not being really well known. And I think this, I, I, th- I hope that this is going to change that. For them. I hope so. I hope so too. I wish them the best. They're going to have to put something in my hand that knocks my socks off before I'm going to be able to get behind them though. I understand. I need them, I'm, I need them to knock my socks off. I've, it's kind of the way. So, half wheel. Pressure builds to exempt cigars from a proposed generational smoking ban in the UK. Last month, Prime Minister... Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak. Boy, I'd have never pronounced that right. <laughs> would ban, unveiled a proposal banned ever, anybody born after January 1st, 2009 from ever purchasing tobacco in the United Kingdom. And I th- it was either last week or two weeks ago we actually talked about this on the show. As how... You know, we're never a fan, uh, fan of tobacco bans, but if you're going to do it, this is the way. Yeah, and it, it'll be defeated. But You think the, so? Oh, yeah. The point of this article is that they want to just exempt cigars, so that means they kind of know that their chances of getting this passed are slim, so they're starting to to put out some some articles and some fillers to see okay, would you agree with it if we exempted cigars? Well, and part of me wonders if if, they're, if they watched what happened with the FDA and are, are seeing the writing on the wall that maybe this is going to be a tougher putt than they originally thought. You know, I don't understand the smoking ban thing. I don't understand why you don't just let people do do this if it's what they want to do and let the market dictate it. Right. I don't understand. I don't understand the people who have nothing better to do in life than this. But we've yeah. we've talked about those people. Something interesting here, uh, and it even says in the article, this is for context, there are 650 members of the House of Commons. And so if you want to think uh, the House of Commons is more attuned, is kind of analogous to our House of Representatives, whereas the House of Lords is our Senate. So this is kind of the, the bigger house where a lot of the, the stuff kind of starts. Um, th- so there are 650 members of this house. 350 of them are from the conservative party, who is the, you know, the majority uh, owner right now. Um, they were originally told they, would, you know, they weren't going to get the whips involved. Everybody just vote however you want. But now it's kind of looking like, okay, well, they've got the majority if they vote party line on this. But even members of the conservative party are who are the ones that are banging the drum of, we're only going to vote this way if you, if you exempt cigars. So I definitely think if this goes to the floor, it will have a cigar exemption in it. I'll be interested to see how this goes. It'll be interesting because the cigar exemption seems to be something that that you need and because at least we're getting to a point in the world where people recognize the difference in cigars and cigarettes right and all and that is just out of curiosity from one of my pet peeves is pot legal in the UK I don't believe so okay that, that it's always one of my but, pet peeves is that somebody will be adamantly opposed to tobacco and then oh yeah we're all about pot yeah well but you do bring up a, a really good point which is Depending on how this goes, this could start to set precedent on the world stage for exempting cigars when it comes to tobacco legislation and things like that. So 
as more and more countries start to say, okay, we're, you know, we're trying to curb you smoking, we're trying to phase out tobacco, but cigars are a different animal, that, that could end up sort of having a boomerang effect and helping solidify that position in this country. Yeah, could, could make a difference. Cool. Well, let's step away for a break real quick. Our, taking, the, taking the listeners to business school kind of uh, uh, ran most of the first half of the show. But when we come back, I want to talk about an interesting Utah-based cigar company. We'll be back. Back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who survived Thanksgiving, Mr. Trey Dead. I did. And uh, how was the the trip to the in-laws? It was it was really good. I think. So you're familiar with Mad Libs, yeah? The the game. Uh, occasionally, we have a running joke in my family. Um, when somebody says a sentence that seems completely unhinged, that you're just not expecting, we say, "What are you playing, Mad Libs?" And I think I won Thanksgiving Mad Libs because Friday night, I, I stayed up until 1130 helping a Danish girl learn how to solve logarithmic equations. <laughs> okay. So my in-laws um, have always been a, a, a big proponents of foreign exchange programs and they've they've hosted several foreign exchange students uh over the course of the last several years and so they're not currently hosting a student but what what often happens for the students that don't go home or don't have the ability whatever they'll reach out to former hosts and say can you for the holidays you know for the extra couple of days while the dorms are closed things like that Will you just be a temporary host? And so there was a, a young girl that was from Denmark who was staying with us um, through the through the holiday. Uh, Twenty years old, so it was great because uh, Emma was with us. Felt like she had someone kind of her age there that you know because everybody else were all you know adults. So that was kind of a nice to see her have a much better experience down there than than usual. But um, no, we had a lot of fun. We we'd had a very sedate Thanksgiving. I'm in favor of the simple Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, you know, okay. If you want to do the traveling and to the in-laws and to the grandparents and to the, all the the hullabaloo, save it for Christmas. Well, I do think. Well, that's that's all well and good, except when you have, you know, d- divorced parents, divorced grandparents, you know, out of state in-laws, things like that. You know, there's only so much holiday to go around. And no, I'm not traveling on on Christmas. My kids are going to open presents at our house, and you know, we don't we don't do the, the so it's a, so you think it's better to do the travel on Thanksgiving? I think here's what I think should happen. I think you should pick one, one. or the other. Yeah, yeah, pick one. Okay, Thanksgiving or Christmas? They're only a month apart, right? Which I'd like to say is terrible planning on. Yeah, on we don't have we don't have anything in October or August. Can't we like? Yeah, can we not? I mean, well, we got Halloween in October. Yeah. 
But that's but, at the very end. August. So that's less than a month Thank, from Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in August. I'm all yeah. for it. Let's let's go for Thanksgiving in August. I don't know that I want to eat that much food when it's 100 degrees outside. Well, we got air conditioning. It, yeah, but then you go, you're all bloated and heavy and but meat if you, sweats. You if go you, sit on the back to have a cigar. That's going to be miserable. Who gets meat sweats? <laughs> you don't? No. You don't eat enough then. <laughs> I assure you, I, I, I eat plenty. But now the um, yeah, the Thanksgiving thing. I think that's the. I think that's your plan. Either Thanksgiving or Christmas. One of them's for the family. One of them's just for you at home. Right. And so we had the just for us at home Thanksgiving. We all sat around, enjoyed ourselves, relaxed, had friends over. Um, you know, wasn't a big crowd. Was six or seven of us. Yeah. Had friends over, smoked the turkey, did my buffalo macaroni and cheese, worked out great. Excellent. Just had a, had a great time. Yeah, I do think we might actually host Thanksgiving next year because it, it does end up a little bit, um, what, what's the word, unbalanced, just because my family is so close. You know, mm-hmm. my, my dad and stepmom live an hour away. My mom is taking care of my grum, grandmother an hour and a half away. So, like, compared to the three hours to Georgia, it's, you know, it's a big difference. By the way, can I say something about... So, I um, rejoined the gym this week. Okay. And all. And I've been holding off because trying to find the appropriate gym. Gyms have got outrageously expensive. And you get less for them now. And they get less for... You know, you can you can join a cheap gym down here at the rec center. Mm-hmm. But you're a slave to some government employee's schedule. Yeah. Your chance, that why they cannot put a 24-hour system on that gym, I'll have no idea. You know, it, there's a clear exit to the workout room from the outside. They could put a little cart key scanner on there. Yeah, close the locker rooms if you have to. Right. Just open the, the equipment. Just open the equipment. Yeah. Everybody would be fine. But anyway, so you got that gym. You got the gym down the road from my house where all of the Saturn people go. Yeah, and I'm not going to that one because they get a discount at Saturn, so it's all those. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the people that work, but at it Saturn. makes it more crowded. But yeah, but it's a it's a built-in audience, right? But I'm telling everybody out here, don't be the gym guy. There is guys at this gym that I go to because it's the best of the worst options, right? They go in there, they come in, they're drinking a you know twenty gallon protein shake, yeah. They go to lifting weights and grunting loudly. I don't know why they grunt. on the. If you have to grunt it out, you're back lifting it too heavy. Yeah. yeah, back it off. And then they go in the locker room and commence the worst protein-filled poop the world <laughs> has ever. I, I swear, I walked in the other day, I said, would you see a doctor or go shit in the field with the other buffalo? <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> well... As much as I hate Planet Fitness, and I do hate Planet Fitness, that is the one thing that they get right, is that if you're over there grunting and shouting and doing all that while you're lifting heavy, they will kick you out. I think that should be a standard. I think, I think if so, you too. If you can't... Then go to Gold's Gym. Right. The, the Gold's Gym is the place for you if that's the kind of environment you want, but leave the rest of us out of it. Well, and these are always the guys... With the full beard and the truck that's twelve inches too yeah. tall off the ground, and the 
they're they're obviously you know trying to, to compensate for yeah, something compensate for some problem they have yeah but i don't mind all that i just wish they would poop outside <laughs> <laughs> you walk into that that locker room sometimes and it'll knock you down you're like well i was gonna take a shower here but I, there's no way i'm getting clean in this environment <laughs> it's all floating through the air <laughs> Uh, Carry on. Let, let's let's uh, let's talk about church now. I let, dare you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I am curious if you had ever seen this word before, because this was a word that that didn't really enter my vocabulary until maybe four or five years ago. But apostate. Are you familiar with that? Only from apostate cigars. Okay. I have known about apostate cigars. Okay. So apostate is a word for somebody who renounces their religion. So, and this is really big in some faiths more so than others. And in the Protestants, we don't really talk about apostatism very much, if at all. And, um, but anyway, so this is apostate cigars. Uh, They're based in Utah. So it is a very big deal in the Mormon church. And so in Utah, the uh, the stories in the Book of Mormon and some of the s- stories and symbols is what draws a lot of the, the naming convention for apostate cigars and things like that. So I just want to highlight it because I think this is great for a couple of reasons. You know, they have nor- names like the Sword of Laban and the Zarahelma and the Liahona. Like these are, you know, words that mean something if you follow the, the Latter-day Saints faith. But I also think it's great that it's so tongue-in-cheek because, you know, the Mormons famously no caffeine, no alcohol, no tobacco, you know. So to turn around and say that, you know, we're going to name a, a cigar company uh, after these, these prominent symbols within the Mormon faith, I think that's just a great... It, it, you know, they even say here, we're, we're trying to be respectful to the belief system. We're not trying to be a... We're not. It's not a dig. We're trying to have a little fun with it, but I can't help but think there's a little bit of a dig involved. Oh, it's a total hipster move. Yeah, it's a well, total hipster move. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna be cool. Let's make fun of the Mormon religion. Let's call ourselves apostates and do that." I, one of the reasons. So I don't care for any cigars having anything to do with religion. And all, even the Hiram and Solomon. I, I reject you saying that this is hipster. Like this oh, is, this not, is totally hip. Look this, at the picture of those two well, guys. No, 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 they couldn't but, be more hipster. But you're you're saying that you, what? Just because they're being somewhat antagonistic to the Mormon Church, that makes them hipsters. No, just because of their overall, their overall feel of what they're trying to do. Of oh, we're gonna we're gonna be apostate and we're gonna draw symbols from the Book of Mormon. So they're, they're just sitting there poking the bear. That's all they're doing. They're, they're trying to, and, I've, and I will say, I've, test, I've tried a cigar or two of these and did not care for them. So that may color my, I think, I think my that judgment is. too. But I do feel like this is such, it's such a hipster move. We're going to be all ironic. We're going to call ourselves apostate and then quote from the Book of Mormon. Eh. Well, so I don't know how much time you've spent in the state of Utah. Zero. Okay. The Mormon church really does run that state. Like a lot of the legislation and a lot of the rules that are that are specific to Utah really are colored by the vast population of Mormons in that state. So by virtue of the fact that these two gentlemen are apostates, they grew up in the, in the church and have since walked away, 
and but still reside in Utah where they're kind of under the thumb, I can kind of I can kind of get get with it. I want my cigars to be fun. I want them See, to be I light. See, I think this is fun. Yeah, this is this is not fun. This is just this is this is just all about trying to to poke the bear and all and trying to be the hip guy. I just do not do not approve at all. <laughs> Completely this disapprove. Is, this is uh I mean we are really really antagonistic with each other today. This is unusual. Okay, speaking of which, the origin of the word dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Okay, so I actually seen this article on the art of manliness. A, week, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking for something for us to talk about. And they're talking about the origin of the word dude. Okay. So, the history of words is funny. How and this will not surprise you one bit, but I love etymology the history the history and study of words i thought that was bugs that's entomology oh so there's only one letter between the study of bugs and the study of words yeah I, i'm never complaining to anybody again about trying to learn english blame the romans <laughs> it, it's all from latin so anyway okay the etymology of this word it's kind of like nimrod you know, I always use the example of Nimrod. Nimrod was a great hunter in the Bible. Right. But if I call a buddy a Nimrod, he does, he's not going to interpret that I'm calling him a great hunter. Yeah, thanks to Bugs Bunny. Thanks to Bugs Bunny. And the dude is kind of, you know, I always heard in old westerns it being used as an insult of, oh, right. look at that dude. And, and it, it really comes from the fact that it basically, going, kind of talking about, um, you know, your, your apostate guys, it essentially meant the equivalent of hipster. Um, foppish uh, was one word that I saw used to describe it, which is something that doesn't get used nearly enough. I love referring dandies and fops. Uh, it sounds like a great insult, but it's really just people who take an extra you know, sort of heightened care to their appearance and hygiene and kind of that. We called them metrosexuals at one point. Now we call them hi- hipsters. By it's the a, way, I'm glad the whole metrosexual thing went out of phase. I am too. That's kind of... It, as, a, as a word, if not in practice. Yeah, yeah, as a word. It's, it's kind of... It was, it was the silliest reference to try to reference someone. Yeah. And, uh, oh, he's a metrosexual. What does that even... Have? Does he... He likes to... Make love to a school bus? What? What is this? Do? You know, there's really no. You point. can put on a list for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hate that they that they started tagging everything with sexual. Yeah. What I do love about this particular is that they were actually able to. I, I love when when words get actually written into the lexicon because they were able to trace this back to a poem from 1883, which was surprisingly late. When you consider that so much in the westerns, right, um, which would have been you know, said about that time, you kind of expect that the word's been around for a while. But no, it was pretty new at the time. So last week you asked me if I would um, watch uh, Phantom of the Opera with Templeton Peck in it or something uh, like that. Uh, uh, Mac- <laughs> Macbeth. Oh, Macbeth with Dirk Benedict. Yes. And I said no. Yeah. Would you go to a dude ranch? Uh, probably. I, so here's the thing. I mean, it, 
let, let, let's define that a bit. This, right. This is not a gay bar over no, no, fifth. Where you, th- you're talking about the kind of place where you pay for the experience to act like a rancher, but you don't actually have to do any real work. No, no, no. Okay. I'm talking about when, when I think of Dude Ranch, I'm thinking of, okay, before you go, you need to know how to run a horse, how to operate a horse. Yeah. You need to have a reasonable grasp on, you know, roping. Uh-huh. And you actually are out there and you're working with the cowboys on a working ranch, you know, moving the cows from point A to point B, getting them out of water, getting them, having that experience. Oh, That's I would what totally I do. That. I don't, I'm not just thinking about a place where you go and don't actually do any work. I'm talking okay. about. Well, I guess what I meant by that was like, you're, you're out there working, but you're not really responsible for whether the job, because the the people there are going to make sure the job gets done and you're just trying not to get in the way and they, it it's like when you're when you give your brother a, a 50 cents when you go to the movie with your date to get him out of the way they they're, they're going to give you a job to do just so that you don't muck things up that was kind of what i was thinking of yeah and i think that's more often than not i think yeah. it's far easier to work on a ranch that's not a dude ranch but a little more profitable to have a dude ranch yeah and all, but I do, I do think that could be cool, especially if you're really into horses and things like that. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I've I've done the you know the trail rides and the things like that, and I love horses, and I grew up around horses, and I've been riding horses since I was knee high to a grasshopper, and I absolutely hate going. You know, when you go on a cruise, there's always an excursion where you ride horses on the beach, or you go up. You know. In South Dakota and out west, there's tons of areas where you can go do trail rides. And I hate those because they all assume you don't know what you're doing and you never really get to enjoy it. And I feel so bad for the horses just going, okay, here's a, you know, 280-pound dentist from Pacoima who's going to sit on my back while I go look at the same trees I've been walking past for the last four years. So I'd be interested in a dude ranch where you actually get out to do work and actually... See, the horse thing does nothing for me. I'm not a horse guy. I worked at a horse barn. I've taken care of them. I don't have nothing against horses. But the cheapest thing you do of a horse is buy it. Yeah. And from then on, it's just a pit that you shovel money into over and over. And they <laughs> it, live, it's a for, good these things live forever. You know, yeah. one of the most appealing parts about dogs is they have a lifespan. Yeah, horses live to about 35 on average. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um so yeah, yeah it, it, the, it's an expensive way to turn money into poop. Oh, absolutely. It's it's ridiculously expensive the way it goes. Who is cheering so vociferously for a Giants game? Oh, the oh, Buffalo, Buffalo Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. so it's a Buffalo guy. Carry on. <laughs> is he pooping out in the parking lot? He's about- <laughs> he needs to be. But I, okay, see again, it's like the the gym grunner, the guy yelling for his team. In a cigar lounge that's not a cigar lounge designated for his team. Okay. Right. Or, or if it's I, really not a football, it's not a sports bar lounge either. Well, on Saturday. Yeah. And we're all sitting here, and there's 20 University of Tennessee fans wearing orange. It's okay to yell out in that situation when your team scores. Yeah. But when you're a fan, you know, when you're rooting the Poughkeepsie Gopher zone in the middle of Thursday afternoon at the Tony and Susan Alamo Bowl, and you're screaming like it's a, the greatest day of your life. You've got problems. <laughs> you should seek counseling. Um, so, real quick, back to the dude thing. So, you mentioned it was a bit of a, a of a pejorative out west. 
I, I I learned from this article, which was interesting, that when when Teddy Roosevelt moved from New York out to I think it was North Dakota, and that they he was called a dude pretty much by all of the hard grizzle. Could you imagine knowing what we know about Teddy Roosevelt now, calling him a dude? Yeah. Uh, but he was a politician. He was. He was. But and, he and was, in my in my book, you can call a politician anything you want. You can. But he he eventually showed that he was not all hat. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful, um, wonderful guy. But kind of like how Bugs Bunny turned Nimrod into an insult instead of a a, a, a sign of greatness. I really blame Jeff Bridges for the change in what dude means. Well, he just played the role. But yes, now granted, but he had he not it. had he not played it brilliantly, it would have meant less. And that's what I think. I think he played that role so beautifully that now, when I think of dude, I think California surfer. I think aloof. I think very. Hey, can the I opposite of foppish? I'm gonna have to come out and say something here. I don't care for the Big Lebowski as a movie. I I like it as a concept, and I like it, it's one of those things that. I want to watch it about once every four years. I think that's about, you know, John Goodman's performance is phenomenal. Um, uh, uh, Steve Buscemi is, is pretty good. It, you know, it, and it just, it hits all the high notes and it works. But there are people that make that movie their personality. And I, I think that's going a bit too far. Yeah, I, I don't care for it. It's just not, not my thing. Okay, so... Um, one more thing before we go. Yeah. And all, how long we got left? Uh, we got we got some time. We got about ten minutes. Or okay. And all, so an unplanned cryptid corner. Oh Jesus! We're actually sitting in here of a man that had a Bigfoot sighting that told me about it. Is that right? Yes, the gentleman sitting right over there. Okay. That I talked to when I came in. He had the third most common Bigfoot sighting. So. Most common Bigfoot sighting is driving down the road, one crosses the road in front of you. Okay. Which, probably the preferred method of Bigfoot sighting for most people. If it's, yeah, if it's me, I'm thinking that's, I've got a steel the, cage around me, I'm... That would, you would probably, give yeah. most average person given the choice of, hey, you're going to get to see Bigfoot, how do you want to see him? They, yes, in a car where I can get away. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, if I'm going to see a great white, I want to be in the shark cage. You I don't want to be in a dinghy. <laughs> and all, the second most common is the hunter. Yeah. You know, the guy out hunting or hiking that that comes across it. But the third is the child that actually sees one in a window. They have a thing for coming up to windows and children. Really? And all and there is a third one of the third sightings is in here. I won't mention his name, but he's a great guy. Yeah. And all, but he's actually in here and actually shared that with me one day when we were talking about Bigfoot. Well, that's pretty cool. Are are you disappointed that you haven't had your own sighting? No. You're fine just living vicariously through others. It's a you know I somebody posted the Colorado video on Facebook the other day, and a guy said, and of course everybody tagged me immediately. Right. And a guy that I know, he said, "Oh, are you a believer? Do you no nothing like that? I just like the subject. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. I it's not you know I'm not going to go out in the middle of the night banging on trees and whooping and trying to attract one. I'm not going to go, you know, it's just... If, yeah, it's, it would be a letdown for you if it ever got proven one way or the other. Yeah, it would probably ruin the... If they, if they, if they you know, killed one, because yeah. science ain't accepting nothing but a body. Right. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. You know, it's, it's a terrible, terrible... 
And in all these Bigfoot podcasts I listen to, they're always trying to come up with something short of a body that science would accept. The fact is, science ain't never accepting nothing short of a body. Right, exactly. So, but the, um, yeah, see, I don't care if I ever see one. No, don't get not a, not a big priority in my life. One of those interesting things. But anyway, I just thought since we, since we actually had someone in here who had shared his experience with me. I that think, I is that the it. first person in here that you've... I know at the other shop you had somebody who... Yeah. Yeah. At the other shop, I had someone share one of their share their experiences with me and then here yeah. and all. And it is kind of fun collecting them. When they find out you're the Bigfoot guy, people kind of start... Yeah. They, they tread the water a little bit. Then after they know they can trust you, they're like, okay, here's my story. Yeah, and and that's the way it is. That's the way the the people ostracize people for it so much, which I don't understand. I if you don't if mean. you came in and you told me that you know your dog got attacked by chupacabra, I wouldn't make fun of you for it. Yeah, you 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 would if it was me. Well, okay, but I'll make fun of you for anything. Exactly. Okay. Well, all right. Point taken. But anyway, tell me about your cigar. Um. So yeah, I think this is better than the aged one. It's got, it's just got a little bit more to it. It's not, I don't think this is a blend that benefits from mellowness. And I think the age on those just mellowed it out too much. This has that little bit of tongue bite I'm used to. This has, this, it, it is as good as I remember. Um, the Devil's Hand is a lot better story than it is Cigar. Yeah. It's all right. It's Esteban Carrera. If you took the label off of this with their... Chupacabra and their whatever, whatever. Yeah, if you took the label off of it and handed it to me, I'd probably know it's an Esteban Carreras. Probably wouldn't. You know, it's it's a five and a half. It's nothing amazing. I, I was hoping for more with the story. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go six on this, which I'd have to go back many many years. The last time I smoked this on the show and see what I gave it, but I feel like that's appropriate for this cigar. Well, I smoked the Tennessee Waltz during the Missouri game. And Tennessee got throttled. So I hadn't smoked another Walt since then, and they haven't lost since then. So I'll have to, I'll have to see if I'm going to smoke another so Tennessee fans, Waltz. fans, write your emails to info at cigarcast.com. <laughs> Put in the subject line, Shane, you're a jerk. But <laughs> I ruined the Tennessee Waltz for you. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, all right, well, let's call it a night. Let's do it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar, and thank you all of us.